We have a video we're going to watch here of Puerto Rico, and it's from NAM. North American Mission Board has been working in Puerto Rico, and what's unusual about it is our church has a connection with this. Uh, Cindy Henderson and um, her husband, uh, Larry, he plays in our orchestra. He is now retired from Lexmark, so he's, they're now, they... I guess they have a home here, and they also, she still works there in Alpharetta, Georgia. So um, she's been going on mission trips. She's gone there, I think, uh, nine times, she told me, or her and Larry have been going to Puerto Rico since Hurricane Maria has uh, devastated. So Nam has put out this video. It came out this week. So right, She's a ready. very small town, 22,000 people only. But Comaria is a beautiful place. And people of Comedia are very lovely people, very warm people. When I was young, I wasn't too welcome in this neighborhood. I hurt a lot of people, and I got lost in drugs and alcohol. And, and I come from a good family, so they decided to send me to the United States, thinking that new people, new area might help and that's where I received Jesus Christ. And then after that, I never thought that I was going to come back to Comario. But we, we, I made a few trips to visit my family here. And I started talking to friends, people who I stole from them. Uh, they were surprised. They were surprised. And everybody was asking me, what happened to you? You are not the same. They were not seeing me. They were seeing Jesus in me. And, and I start seeing the neighborhood and the people of my neighborhood, my people, differently from all those times before. I, I, I saw that if they just had an experience with Jesus Christ, their life would be changed. Their life would be transformed the way my life was transformed. And that's how God started working in my life to, you know, give me the desire to come back to Comerio. And he said, now go and preach from the place that I took you from. It was going to be a drastic change in our life. So when I came to Comerio in July 2017, we were not planning to start a church anytime soon, but in summer 2018. But then Maria happened, Maria came, and then everything changed. That is one of the NAM church planners there in Puerto Rico. So I thought that was an interesting story, sharing about how much it certainly changed the landscape of that. Open your Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 56. While you turn there, I want to go over the next eight Sunday nights, our Sunday evening worship schedule. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. That is May 13th. We do not have evening worship service on Mother's Day. Two Sundays from today is May 20th. We have a concert. David Dale has a group. Steve, I can't remember the name of the group he has coming singing. I think it's a gospel, Southern Gospel group. They're coming that evening, May 20th, for a concert. We also have business meeting that night. And at 4 o'clock, we have Sundays or a VBS leadership training. So this is be your May 20th. 4 o'clock you'll be here if you're helping out with VBS. From 4 to 6, 6 to 7 is the concert. And then at 7, probably 7 to 8, it's business meetings. That's a four-hour night right there from uh, 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock on May 20th. So that's going to be a late one uh, for that. Three weeks for, from tonight is Memorial Day weekend. So we do not have, uh, that's a holiday weekend. We do not have evening worship service on, that's May 27th. Four weeks from tonight is June 3rd. Miss Pe Peggy Cable is going to be uh, sharing that evening about uh, what the Lord's been doing in Uganda. And through uh, her, she's a member of our church who's 
uh, lives in Uganda and has been doing great work there about fo- uh, folks getting saved and the gospel going out. A lot of folks are in church. Obviously, pray for her as well as uh, give in support to that. Five Wednesday nights will be our next, I guess, regular church service. That's June 10th that we will pick up in Luke chapter 9. So that's our next. And then, and then six Wednesday nights, that's Father's Day, which is June 17th, and we do not have evening worship service for that. Seven Wednesday nights, that is... Um, yeah, Wednesday night, yeah, Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a Wednesday night. So Father's Day is Sunday the 17th. The 23rd is 24th is going to be on June. Uh, that's uh, June 24th, the Sunday night. We'll have a VBS outreach. Now, we'll still have our worship service, but we'll be going out uh, doing a follow. That'll be follow up from VBS. So that's that's our next schedule uh, for the next couple of months. And then I tell you on Sunday night, July 1st, that would be what, nine Sunday nights, we're having a um, concert July 1st. Uh, Hank Williams Sr.'s coming. So uh, he's coming up the Lost Highway there from Alabama. He's going to, we're having a big barbecue. So it's going to be a barbecue and a singing. So that's going to be right in the middle of summer, right there for 4th of July. Uh, so that is, the way, that's our, our, our next Sunday night schedule. So our next Sunday evening worship service we'll have next week. We will not meet for Mother's Day, but we'll be back on the 20th for a concert. So I want to give you all update that next nine Sunday evenings here. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. We are about to look at wonderful places of Scripture tonight. These are three sections we're about to read. These three sections here are about to show Jesus' authority over three areas. Number one, his authority over nature. We see a big storm blowing in right now. Jesus could actually look at these clouds, look at this storm, and say, stop. And immediately, they would stop. Just like that, Jesus has authority to stop everything over nature. He's in total control of the nature. Then we're about to see here over the demonic. The the demonic is real. There are demon-possessed and demon-influenced people probably all around us, and we do not realize it. Jesus saw spiritual things. He recognized that this is more than just a sin problem. This is the devil having a demon influence this person with that. So we're about to see how he recognized this problem. And then not not only that, we're going to see Jesus has authority over someone's life. This little girl's going to die, and Jesus is going to say, hey, she's not dead, she's asleep, and people are going to laugh at him. And he's going to have the final word when she comes back to life. So the picture we're about to see tonight is we're going to see, really, Jesus is God. Nature, the spiritual powers, demons, as well over over life. He's in total control, and this is someone we want to conclude on that you can put your trust and your faith in the Lord because He, he can handle it. Uh, Luke 8, 22. I want you to follow along in your Bibles here. This is how the wind and the waves, they obey Jesus. One day, He and His disciples got into a boat. He told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Now, if Jesus says He's going to the other side of the lake, we're going to see if He can make it. So they set out, and as they were sailing, He fell asleep. Then a fierce windstorm came down on the lake. They were being swamped and were in danger. (laughs) Jesus is asleep right there. So Jesus says, we're going to the other side of the lake, and all of a sudden, a storm came about. They came and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. And I think what principle we see here, if Jesus tells you we're going to the other side of the lake, you're going, whatever's going to happen, you are going to the other side of the lake. We're going to get you there. Now, there will be some storms along the way. <clears throat> so they, they've just come to him. I think what's that, they have forgotten what the words of Jesus. Jesus, he's, he's like the great shepherd we see in Psalm 23, and he's guiding his disciples, his people, across the lake, and the storms come up. Then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. So they ceased. They stopped. He spoke to them. 
He looked at that storm clouds and the lightning and says, stop. And they stopped. And there was a calm. They were calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? Do you, he's saying, guys, do you really think this is how you're going to die? Do you forget who's in the boat with you? And that was the main principle. They did not recognize God is in their boat. They had, the, they had the Lord with them, the one who created the wind and the waves and lightning in these clouds. And he, yes, if, the, if he's asleep, that's okay. He's taking a nap. But they, they felt this is the end that's come to us. We are now going to die. They were fearful and amazed, asking one another, look what they said, who then is this? Who is this man? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. And that question, who is this man, is almost implying, or is implying, they still did not understand he's God. And what we see in this picture is God, Jesus, has authority over nature. He speaks, and it obeys and the biblical principle we see here is just like Jesus has. Now, this is the takeaway. This is an important point. Just as Jesus speaks to nature and the wind and the waves obey him, we as believers, he has spoken to us via his Bible. And it should have the same effect on us as he had on the wind and the waves. If Jesus has spoken to you, and he has spoken to you, he speaks to the word, just like the wind and the waves obey him, you, all, you and I should also be obeying him. Because he, if he can have this effect on nature, he can also, which is the written word of God, the Bible, is meant to have the same effect on our lives as nature. So what we see here, the takeaway from this is, if nature obeys Jesus, shouldn't you and I? And the answer is yes. This is, this is discipleship. He's asking the disciples, guys, where's your faith? He's asking Broadway, where is your faith? Do you believe I can do it? Do we as a church, would Jesus ask us that same type of question? I want to share something that happened this past week. I don't, I don't have the little flyer. Uh, we just got out of a meeting. Did anybody have their little VBS flyer? Phyllis, you, you, if you don't mind holding that up, you just hold it up. You don't have to look at it. <clears throat> this, is a, this is a step of faith for our church. Phyllis is holding up the flyer. Okay, you, you, everybody look. You put it down now, Phyllis. We got these little flyers made. This past, um, what happened was our church, our ch kids go to Wellington Elementary. On Fridays, they have little folders. And they, I've noticed over the year, they bring home all this extra material. We were getting stuff from Upward Basketball, and some of that was our church that was coming through Porter. They were passing out. We were getting, every church was passing out their Easter egg hunt material. I'm thinking, how are these churches all giving this stuff out, yet we aren't receiving this? Well, about a month ago, I called the Fayette County Schools, and I thought, well, I'm going to call the school system and find out how do you distribute information through the schools so I, we need broadway needs a little flyer so we need to pass our stuff out so um we um i called the schools about a month ago and they there's a bunch of hoops you jump through that's all it is it's just bureaucracy so you have to have a little flyer and i tell you phil's has this little flyer here and at the bottom it has this little you have to put what you want it to say it says this material is not represent fayette county schools we don't approve it it's and then it has to be free, or they have the scholarships. There's all these things. Um, it has to be available. So we sent it to the superintendent's office, filled out their paperwork, mailed it all in. Their approval person approved it. We found out about two weeks ago it got approved. Well, and when you get approved, you can give it out to any of the schools. Well, we had just asked for uh, eight or nine schools, little local schools around here. Well, that ended up being, when we called those schools, that was 6,000 students. So those little flyers there, that's going out to, well, there's eight or nine elementary schools around the church here. So we're got, we got approval to pass those out. Well, 
when we, in the office, when we cut them, we have to cut them in two. So that meant if we're passing out about 6,000, we need to print 3,000 coming in half. Well, somehow there was a mix-up, and instead of printing 3,000 and cut them in half, the office folks printed 6,250 because they thought we needed 6,000, but you cut them in half. We had to take them over to Minuteman Press to cut them. Well, next thing you know, we now have 13,000. This is on Thursday. We end up with 13,000 of these little flyers here that um, Phyllis just held up. They're in my office right now. So what do we do with them? I called another 10 schools, and they're letting them pass that. Church, we are giving away 13,500 flyers to 19 elementary schools tomorrow. <clears throat> We're having a, and we have to bundle these. And we put them, I've called all the homerooms, we bundle. we're having a bundling party. You can join me up here tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. We're going to do this. And then we're going to load them up in my car, and we're going to go to 19 schools and drop these off. <clears throat> now, what are we, now, we realize not 13,000 children likely aren't going to come to our VBS. Last year, we had an all-time record at our Bible school. And that was 163 children. I want you to see Broadway. Next month's VBS. This was an accident in the office. We weren't planning on giving out this many. God can use something like that as a mistake. We could likely have 250, 350 children here next month for Bible school. That could be a huge, huge boost for our church and our children's ministry. Now granted, VBS... There will be people who come here for the whole purpose of free meal and babysitting. But listen, if all we do as a church is we serve a meal and all we can do is tell people about Jesus, that, tell these kids about Jesus, that is something. If, we can't, if we have, we're overwhelmed with 343 children here and we feed them and tell them about the Lord, we have accomplished our purpose. Now I'm sharing this because when Jesus asked this question, where is your faith? Wouldn't it be a blessing that questions we start thinking, well, do we have too many kids in this sanctuary for a fire marshal? Do we have too, ki too many kids here to feed? These are the type of questions, we, problems we want to have as a church. We want to be a body of believers that these guys here, they didn't have the faith. Jesus is asking, do you really believe? Listen, Jesus wants people in Lexington saved. He wants the pews packed here. He wants Broadway to use our summer and have something called VBS, which was started by Southern Baptists, as a mechanism to reach folks for the Lord. And he can use some printer mix-up as a way to even multiply those numbers. And we as a body, we need to say, God, we trust you. Even though we might not have the personnel, we might not have the food, and we don't have the money to do this. Lord, I believe. You will provide. And we will see, just like we had the Lupp family, we need to be having families walk this aisle every Sunday joining. Listen, those folks, they're going to be the ones that are discipling their kids. They're going to be five years from now, six years, leaders in this church. That's what Broadway needs. Every single week, seeing that type of thing. But the question, I don't know if we all believe it will happen. Jesus, the disciples didn't. He looked at them and said, where's your faith? They were fearful and amazed, and they said, Who is this man? Who is this guy? They did not believe he was Jesus. Second story here. Look here, verse 26. It gets even better. Jesus has authority over demons. Then he sailed to the region of Gesera, Gesaranes, which is opposite of Galilee. When he got out of his land, this is a Gentile area. And the reason we know it's a Gentile area because they had one thing that Gentiles do not have is pigs. <clears throat> they have pigs at this place. Or the one thing Jews don't have is pigs. So when he got out, of his, he got, he got out on land, a demon-possessed man from the town met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes and did not stay in a house but in the tombs. This man lived in the graveyard. When he saw Jesus, look at this. This is amazing. You know, demon-possessed people know who Jesus is. They immediately identified him. 
No one else, the disciples didn't quite understand who Jesus was, but this demon-possessed man immediately said, I know who you are, and I know the power and authority you have. Look what he says here, verse 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and said in a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torment me. Now, some of your translations say, don't throw me into the abyss. We're about to look at that in Revelation chapter, <clears throat> chapter 9. There is a place for fallen angels in the Bible. And a fallen angel is a demon. This man, or this demon that's got this man, and the demon's name is Legion, realizes, Jesus, look at what he said. Look at the titles he gives to the Lord. When he saw Jesus, he cries out of all people to ever show up in his tombs, the land he manages. This is the worst one for this demon. It's Jesus. He comes in, he says, what do you have to do with me? Meaning, he knows the, where here Jesus could send him. Jesus, Son of the Most High God. He, knew, he called, he identified Jesus. This is the Son of God. And he's right standing in front of me. Do not torment me. Don't throw me there. Don't do it, Jesus. I know where fallen angels go. Revelation chapter 9 talks about it. We're about to look at that scripture. In fact, I want to read that to you. Revelation chapter 9. You don't have to turn there, but I will. Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. The word there, torment, that's a reference to this abyss. It's a place, it's also referenced in 2 Peter, it's a place for fallen angels. And it says here, The fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from heaven and earth. Now that is a rep, that's a symbol there. The star falling from that is a symbol of what we know from Isaiah chapter 14 of Lucifer. Where did Satan come from? He's a fallen angel. Demons were once angels. Apparently there was some rebellion that occurred before, um, before Adam and Eve. And there was a, a war. And Lucifer based on Isaiah 14, fell from heaven. Jesus referenced this later on. We'll see it in uh, Luke chapter 19 when he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's what he's talking about here when John writes Revelation chapter 9. So this is a fallen angel. This is where they go. It says he had fallen from heaven to earth. So that's why the devil, we know the devil is here on earth. The key for the shaft to the abyss was given to him. He opened the shaft to the abyss, and smoke came out of the shaft like smoke from a great furnace, so that the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the shaft. Skip down to verse 11. Revelation 9:11. They had their king. The angel of the abyss... His name, their king, that's a reference to the devil there. The king, the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in Greek, he has the name Apollyon. The first woe is past. Now this here is a reference. There is a place, abyss, a place in hell for fallen angels. Hell was not created. Remember, hell was never created for people. It was created for fallen angels. God's plan was for no one to ever sin, humanity, and they live forever with the Lord in, in, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. That was supposed to be life. But obviously with fallen, uh, fallen angels, uh, it doesn't, uh, didn't work out. Obviously they're sinning in the world, and here we have an abyss. So that is what, going back to Luke chapter 8, that's what he's talking about here. When we read about Luke 8, here, don't throw me into the abyss. He's, this, this demon is begging Jesus, whatever you do, I do not want to go to this place. So I want you to follow him. Back in Luke chapter 8, look at verse 29. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. So this is uh, some of the things that had happened to this man here. Many times it had seized him, and though he was guarded bound by chains and shackles, 
he would snap the restraints and be driven by the demon into deserted places. One of the things we know about demon-possessed people in the Bible is they receive unusual strength. They have This man here had this type of power. This is why we, we don't, in 2018, if you go around talking about demons, people think you're crazy. People think you're a looney tune. But the truth is, the Bible says there is an unseen spiritual war world really, literally battling all around us. And we don't see it. It's in a different dimension than we would, our eyes and things here would be allowed to see. But the Lord Jesus is fully allowed. So when he saw this man, he saw this guy here, he looked at him, he said, he's demon-possessed. That's clearly the problem. And the demon is speaking to Jesus through the man. That's what's going on here. So he, they could not control this guy. He had unusual strength. And then he typically would go to the tomb. It was the place of the day. He's in a deserted place. Look at what Jesus says to him. Verse 30. <clears throat> Jesus is talking to the demon. <laughs> what's unusual about this? Jesus actually grants the demon his request now think about his request do not torment me mean don't throw me in that place of the abyss so that's his request so jesus says okay demon what's your name see probably with jesus since he had spiritual eyes he knew there were demons all around he was fully aware of everything going on so he's met this demon here and the man that Jesus asked him, verse 30, legion, the man says, there were the, the demons speaking through him. Legion, he said, latter part of verse 30, because many demons had entered him, and they begged him not to banish them into the abyss. There it is again, that abyss. They, that's that place in Revelation chapter 9. They're referencing the place for the demons. So all these demons are begging Jesus. Just, Jesus, don't send us there. A large herd of pigs were there, feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him to permit them to enter the pigs, and he gave them permission. The demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Now I want you to understand what happened here. There's a big bank, a big hill next to this lake they had just sailed the boat over, and there were all these pigs out there, unclean animals, Je the demons knew when Jesus showed up, Jesus was going to heal that man. Like, one thing, the demons are coming out of the man. They can't land there. We're not going to possess any more men, according to Jesus. This man was created in the image of God, and Jesus was there to set the man free. Now, there was pigs there. The demons even suggested, saying, let's, let's go into the pigs. And he said, go. And they go take over the pigs. The pigs run down and kill themselves in the water. I mean, her, that poor farmer just lost all his pigs. They're dead in the water. But the power about this, what's really odd about this story, is Jesus listened to the demons. They wanted to go, they didn't want to go to the abyss, so they said, here's an alternative, let's just go kill ourselves with the pigs. And he allowed it to happen. The, but what we see here is Jesus is in total authority, in total control. Even the demons recognized the authority Jesus Christ had. Now moving along here, now look what happens. So we have a great story here, the man's set free. Now we have a problem. People aren't happy with this. Verse 34, when the men who tended them saw what had happened, they ran off and reported it in the town, in the countryside. Then people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man and the demons had departed him, sitting at Jesus' feet. That's a, that's a posture of a disciple. So now all of a sudden, this, this man who's been freed of the demons, he's, he's becoming a disciple of Jesus, dressed in his right mind. And they were afraid. Meanwhile, the, the eyewitnesses reported to them how the demon-possessed Man was delivered. One of the interesting things here is to use to describe the man. 
one of the signs of a demon-possessed person is they're not in their right mind. A lot of times, <coughs> preachers don't go there, and churches don't talk about it and say, oh, you're getting into mental health issues, we can't uh, talk about this because of medication. Look at, look at the words. Go back to this. I don't want us to miss this. And we're not here to diagnose people with mental health issues, but look at what happened when the, the man was set free. It says he's sitting at Jesus' feet. He's dressed, and he's in his right mind. Meaning mentally, Jesus has cured his mind. He's no longer warped, thinking, I need to go live out in the tombs naked and break chains and just cut myself and run over. One of the signs I think we could be seeing here is that a demon-possessed person, a demon-possessed influenced person is not in their right mind. So Jesus here, he, he delivers this person. Verse 37, it says, Then all the people of the Gerasene region asked him to leave them because they were gripped by great fear. So getting into the boat, he returned. One of the great things about the Lord is when people ask Jesus to leave, he didn't say, no, I'm going to stay three more days. He left. We as believers, if you're witnessing someone and you're inviting someone to church and they just say, no, I'm not interested, not coming to church, I don't want to hear about Jesus. At some point, Jesus even said when he sent out his 72 disciples, you just shake the dust off of your feet. You say, hey, Lord, I've done everything I can. I've told these people, I've been a witness, I've been inviting them to the service, the experience of the Lord, and they firmly said no. When Jesus was asked to leave, he left. At, at some point, you say, I, I can't, can't stay here anymore. And so this is what he does. The man from whom the demons had departed begged him earnestly to be with them, but he sent him away and said, Now look at this. Look how Jesus takes this man and he makes him an evangelist. This new disciple, the new man who's been set free, he wants to become a follower of Jesus Christ. He's saying, Jesus, I'm ready to follow you because I know what you just delivered me from. Verse 39 says, Go back to your home and tell all of what God has done for you. Instead of going with Jesus, he says, You go back home and you be a witness. Just like this man who is delivered from demons, we also have, should have the same mentality. We tell the story of what God has done through us. And I'll tell you too, you should be telling the story of what God's doing through Broadway. You have a story to tell. You have a personal story. This is what God's doing in my life. And not this is what God's doing in our church. This is how the Lord is working. We're constantly telling that story. It's the gospel story of, 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 of the Lord. So then Jesus is sending this man to go back. And off he went, proclaiming throughout the town how much Jesus had done for him. Notice how, what's interesting, this demon-free man in verse 38 begged Jesus to go with him. Jesus, let me be a disciple. Let me go with you. And Jesus said, no, you would be more useful in going back home and being a great witness. Listen, if this demon-possessed man who's been set free of this demon, demon named Legion, if he's a witness, surely you can be a witness. Surely you can, you can tell the story of what God has done among folks in your life, your family, your friends, obviously church. Last story here. Look here, verse 40. Not only does Jesus have authority over demons, here we're going to see Jesus has authority over life, over the death. This is a great Bible story. This is a man, there's going to be a man named Jairus. Jairus is a ruler of a synagogue, and Jairus has a 12-year-old daughter who's going to die. But what's interesting about this, this is also reminds us how God's timing is always different than our timing. When we see something as a mistake, a setback, God says, no, that's exactly what I want. I'm going to tie this in with even with us ended up doubling our copy our little uh, flyers we're going to give out because the Lord what end up being a mistake in many ways end up, will end up being a blessing. And that's what happens right here. Verse 40. When Jesus returned, so he's back now probably at Capernaum, the crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. So there was an expectation that Jesus is going to do something. Jesus shows up. We're excited about what's going to happen. Just then a man named Jairus came. He was a leader in the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet and pleaded with him to come 
to his house. Jairus is begging Jesus to come visit him because he had an only daughter about 12 years old and she was dying. This is a crisis situation here. While he was going, the crowds were nearly crushing him. Jesus at this point, his popularity is growing, so he's not able to walk very fast, and he's not able to get going, and the crowds are literally just mobbing around him. And you have to think the whole time, Jairus is thinking, come on, Jesus, we've got to get rid of all these other people. We've got to get to the house. Get rid of it. Jairus is there pushing all these people off of Jesus. Come on, come on let's create a path. We've got to get the man home, my house. So that's what's going on here. Verse 43, a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years who had spent all she had on doctors and yet could not be healed by any. That's a, that's a so frequent story today. There are so many people who are just like this. They're dying of cancer. They have a sickness. And they've spent every last penny of their life savings on trying to get medical help and doctors can't do anything. She's terminal. This is a sad situation, one that's repeated regularly. You know, a, uh, a sickness will bankrupt you. You get a sickness, you will go, uh, you'll go to zero. Hospitals and doctors, it, they charge a fortune, and that's what's happened here. And, and people will go to all lengths to get a healing, just like this woman here. She's realizing, I can't be healed. So look what she does here in verse 44. We see this faith of this woman as example for us. Verse 44, it says, She approached him from the behind and touched the end of his robe. Instantly, her bleeding stopped. This is a smart woman. She realized the power Jesus had, and she thought, if I could just touch this man's robe, just barely get it, I know I'll get a healing. But now remember, we're being all the, we've got this mob here crushing Jesus. All these folks are around, and she touched his robe, and immediately 12 years of bleeding, it stopped. She believed Jesus' robe could do it, and it did. Jesus was able to heal. He had, he had ability to heal without even consciously realizing it. He didn't do anything. He didn't speak a word. He didn't turn around and talk to her at this point. She touched him and believed it could happen, and it did. Now look what happened. Verse 45. Who touched me? which is a joke because we got 40 people touching you at this point. Jesus asked, when they all denied it, I mean, we're going around the room, when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are hemming you and pressing in against you. It's almost like, Jesus, I just want you to know that all these people are gathered around you and we're this close, like, you know, what kind of question is who touched me? You're, you're in a mosh pit here, Jesus. Why would you even ask such a silly question? And look, but he, he won't let it go. Verse 46, someone did touch me, said Jesus. I know that power has gone out from me. So he just stopped. He's like, no, we're going to do an investigation. Someone touched me. I know power's gone out. It touched my robe. And this, what Jesus is doing, he's waiting for the woman to respond. This is why we do a public invitation in our church. Jesus Christ doesn't make you walk the aisle and give your life to Christ. He's going to stand here and say, okay, who's going to come be saved? Who's going to come? Who, we're going to make it public. Jesus is just standing there. He's just standing there saying, okay, I know power's gone out. I know someone said, who did it? He's going to sit here and wait. We've stopped their entourage. It's a public call. Who received a healing from Jesus? He's asking this question. You ever been to old, old-timey churches? You don't have to be old-timey. Churches have testimony service? We said, just come and share. Who's been touched by Jesus? And just leave it open and say, just come and share what the Lord has done in your life. That's literally what Jesus is doing here. And look what happens. Verse 47. 
when the woman saw that she was discovered, she realized, I, I, can't, I can't sneak it any longer. Like, <laughs> he's got me. She had to come forward. Jesus calls people publicly. It's a shame that some churches are doing away with their public invitation. Jesus is calling this woman out, saying, it's time to come forward. I want to know who touched me. When she realized, I can't hide it any longer, she came trembling and fell down before him. In the presence of all the people, she declared the reason she had touched him and how she was instantly here. Do you know what she just did? She gave a testimony. She said, Jesus, I came forward, and I touched your robe, and I was instantly healed because I've been bleeding 12 years. And finally, I received it. I didn't want anybody to know I was going to be a back pew person. I wanted to just sneak in and receive a blessing and not be known. But Jesus doesn't allow that to happen. Jesus is not going to allow people to be quiet. He's going to demand this woman give a testimony. Just like he sent the demon-possessed man and says, you're going to go home and start telling people what the Lord has done in your life. You need to be proud of this. That's what he's telling her. Look what, keep going here. Jesus said, daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Do you know what he just said? He said, ma'am, um, you're not just healed, you're now saved. Because you believed that I could heal if you touched my robe, and it happened. This woman didn't just get healed, she also received salvation. Her faith has saved this, this lady who's been bleeding 12 years. Go in peace. So we sent her away. Public altar call, we had testimony time, we, we made it known about who this woman was. Now, meanwhile... We have another crisis going on. Remember, they're only we weren't even going to this woman. She was, a, she was an extra. We're headed to Jairus' house. While he was still speaking, someone came from the synagogue leader's house and said, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. She died. I just let Jesus go. He can go about his own way. When Jesus heard it, he answered him, don't be afraid, only believe, and she will be saved. Notice what he didn't say, she'll be healed. He said she'll be saved. Jesus isn't just coming for a healing, he's coming for salvation. He's going to bring this girl back to life so she can get to know the Lord. After he came to the house, he let no one enter with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Everyone was crying and mourning for her, but he said, Stop crying because she is not dead, but asleep. She's not dead. They laughed at him because they knew she was dead. These people knew something Jesus didn't. She was dead. She's not asleep. Jesus, what are you talking about? You're foolish, they're saying. So he took her by the hand and called out, Child, get up. Her spirit returned and she got up at once. Then he gave orders that she be given something to eat. That's very common in the Bible. If you ever raise someone from the dead, you need to go ahead and feed them. The Bible said, bring them Wednesday night fellowship meal. Her parents were astounded, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. Probably word did get out, but Jesus was one of those guys, when he did a miracle, and he did a healing, and he raised people from the dead, he didn't put it on Instagram and Facebook. He lived a low profile. He didn't want the world to know because he realized, I've still got two or more years worth of ministry before I go to the cross. What's powerful about this story here is <clears throat> Jesus told the messenger and all the people there, don't be afraid, only believe, and she will be saved. This girl didn't just get healed, church. She got saved. Jesus Save this girl. Jairus believed what Jesus could do. Jairus was a Jewish person, a member of the synagogue. He had the power here to not just heal people. Church, he has the authority over life, including your life and my life. Jesus is the author of life. Her spirit returned. 
She was dead, and now she's alive again. Some of you tonight, you might not be physically dead, but you are spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. Or if you're saved, you might not be spiritually dead, you're spiritually dry. You're just dry. And you need life back in you. And Jesus is saying to Jairus, to this woman who had been bleeding 12 years, and this little girl who is dead, if you believe, I offer it. Well, what do we see in this passage here, Luke chapter 8? Church, this is it. The wind of the waves, nature. If nature obeys Jesus, so should we. The demons, Jesus recognizes their spiritual problems. Listen, when, we, when you're on fire for Jesus, when Broadway's doing ministry and missions and wanting the gospel to go out, there will be adversarial attacks, demonic attacks. He stops it. Distractions, I think, is the most common way the Satan attacks today. And not only that, we see, we saw this woman here who we thought was just a distraction, slowing Jesus down, who was a mistake. But actually, it was Jesus' great plan that he wanted to heal this woman and raise this little girl from the dead. And he saved them both. So something like we saw with our printer messing up and something we ended up going from eight schools to 19 schools unexpectedly, maybe it was God's plan the whole way. He uses a mistake for his glory. Just in your life, when you think things didn't go right, something happened, no, God is working. We see that Jesus is saying here, her spirit returned. Tonight, if you are spiritually dead or spiritually dry, the Lord is speaking to you. In many ways, we need to respond like this lady who, who touched the edge of his robe. And he's calling out, well, who touched me? I want to hear it. I'm waiting for a testimony. This woman did not want to speak up, and Jesus made her. He expects us as believers for Jesus Christ, born-again believers, that we should be bold in our faith. God, I pray that this invitation we're about to have, I pray you give us a boldness for our faith, like the woman who touched the end of her robe. And he's just calling, who touched me? I know power's gone out from me. Lord, I pray we're like this woman. We realize we can't keep hiding any longer. We need to have a bold witness. Lord, I pray that as we see things that look like a mistake in our lives, oh Lord, they weren't mistakes at all. It was your plan and your purpose the whole way. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our church. I just pray the gospel goes out, that we are a Bible-centered, Christ-centered church, just like this morning, that every opportunity, whether it's at Mary Todd Elementary School or it's here at Broadway or it's at Lafayette High School, Lord, we are advancing the gospel. Lord, I pray for what you're doing. I pray for this week. I pray that you just put people in our life that we can invite to Broadway and share the gospel. Lord, we give you this invitation. We pray that someone here needs to respond. We make it public. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Steve's going to lead us in a song. We close every service with a worship, uh, worship song. I'll be standing down front. Let's stand together. Hymn number 14, you respond. 413, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Hymn number 413. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you'll see. There is light for all, look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Through death into life everlasting, he passed and we follow him there. Over us sin no more hath dominion, for more than conquerors we are.
Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much. Uh, this coming week, we have several things. I uh, had a ton of announcements this morning, but Wednesday night, I do want to invite you. We're studying the crucifixion. We will be right here at 6.30, so bring your Bible. A great time of studying the scriptures. We have a, a dinner at 5.30, so you can certainly uh, come join us for that. Also, I wonder, on, uh, ladies, we have an event on Saturday. Uh, Shirley Mitchell, she's, a, I guess, a local. Um, has anybody heard her speak before? She's a local speaker, so good, a couple of people had. Uh, a, a local women's, man, women's ministry speaker as well as the author. She'll be here uh, Thursday, uh, uh, Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. So that's our spring women's brunch. So you can sign up in the bulletin just, or you can sign up online. It just lets us, uh, lets us know about how many folks to cook for. So those are some things. Remember, next Sunday is Mother's Day, so we do not have evening worship on Mother's Day. So that's an opportunity for you to spend time with your mother. So I'm going to ask Steve. He'll close this song. We are one in the bond of love. We are one in the bond of love. We are one in the bond of love. We have joined our spirits with the Spirit of God. We are one in the bond of love. Thank you. Good night.